0: Welcome to Carmel Presbyterian Church's podcast channel. Open up a Bible or just listen in. We hope this week's message is a blessing to you. Good morning, everyone. It is a beautiful day, so little brisk. I'm keeping my jacket on. Hope that's okay with you. And uh, as we take a look at Colossians chapter 1, if you did bring a Bible or if you're watching from home, we're going to be um, pri- actually primarily in Colossians 1, the first 14 verses. And uh, we're going to take some more time to look at verses 15 through 20, not only today, but in the weeks to follow uh, as well. And, and so uh, I want to give you a little background and context um, for the passage today. So I'm going to walk through these verses. Um, today, verses 1 through 14, a little bit on 15 through 20, and then the ensuing weeks. To give you a little background on the text today, um, sitting about 100 miles inland of modern-day Turkey, there's a city called Colosse, and it existed, and it had a mini-revival, is what you could say. It was a small group of pagans. Uh, They turn to Christ, and Paul the apostle hears about their newfound faith from the church leader. His name is Epiphras, and he's writing them. Paul is with his helper Timothy, great name by the way, And, and so in order to instruct and encourage him, he writes this little letter called Colossians. It's a letter from Paul and Timothy to the church in Colossae. Now, keep in mind, these are, of course, in the early days of Christianity, within a few decades of Jesus' crucifixion and his resurrection. Could be in the 50s, could be in the 60s, we're not quite exactly sure. Uh, But we know this, at the time that the good news of Jesus, it's making its way around the Roman Empire the Apostle Paul is the primary person who is discipling the Gentiles, these non-Jews, as they form churches. And he's doing this all from a prison cell, which is quite impressive as well. So take a look at verses 1 and 2. Paul gives this introduction in Colossians 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in church at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. Now, as we gather today on the second Sunday of 2021, our hearts are still longing for peace. Paul was praying for them, for grace and peace to infuse their lives. And I'll tell you, I learned something pretty quickly. A new year doesn't mean things automatically get better, right? (laughs) Man, uh, that changed pretty quickly. Um, I wanted to, I uh, had all these plans. I wanted to uh, read the news less, And then January 6th happened, and I all I've been doing is looking at news, right? So there goes that whole goal. Uh, but I do, I want to grow in Christ this year. It's a, it's a purposeful plan. I'm going to lean on God's grace and God's peace, just like Paul instructs here in verse 2. But here's the thing, true peace cannot be found outside of Christ. And we know that more than ever, we need him. We don't need more news. I'm not saying news is bad, but man, we need more and more of Jesus to infuse our minds, infuse our hearts. True peace cannot be found outside of him. I had a call on Thursday after being glued to the TV, watching all the events from, from last Wednesday, Thursday, bleeding into, of course, the whole week. And Pastor Ronald Britt, he's a black pastor from the Greater Victory Temple I built a friendship with, he called me. I want to know, how are you doing, Pastor Tim? I'm like, I should be calling you. How are you doing, Pastor Ron? He called me, and he shared. He said, you know, honestly, our, the black community is hurting. You know, it's hard to see some things that they saw, right? They're hurting. He said, but, but he said, Tim, but Tim, listen to this. I know God is a God of order and not of division. And Jesus prayed that we believers would be one as we bow down to Jesus. So I'm taking his word of encouragement to heart for me. I believe it's so true. We need to keep focused on this God of order and not of division and praying that we would be one. I'm so glad I have my friend, Pastor Ron. I'm saying, Lord, how, how can I lean into this oneness with our brothers and sisters of the Greater Victory Temple in this season? What does that look like to be one in Christ You know, he was so encouraged to know that our that the CPC family, us here, we're praying for him. We're praying for their church. That we we stand with them, we love them, and we're gonna suffer together with them and rejoice with them together. Our God is a God of order and not division. Oh, thank you, Pastor Ron, for reminding me. Let's bow down to Jesus alone together. See, grace and peace is what Paul is praying for these these Christians in Colossae, and that it's evidenced by a love for one another in the spirit. We're going to see that in some of the later verses. And Paul is inviting the Colossians and I'm inviting you in these opening lines to not focus on what they've lost and where they're stuck, but yes, to focus on what they have and where they're going in Christ. We're not ignoring these realities, saying, where are we going? What are we going to do now? How are we going to partner together around Jesus? And I, I'm so glad I have Pastor Ronda help guide me in these days. Now, I want you to see there are some important things that Paul notes as he continues in verse three, four, and five. Let me read that for us. It says, Paul says, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. There's that word love. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel. See, it's right there. It's reminiscent of 1 Corinthians 13. Did you notice that? where Paul is emphasizing the essentials for mature believers. He said, faith, hope, and love. You're going to miss it if you, don't, if you don't see it. Paul was particularly impressed in verse 8 by this, your love in the Spirit. Your love, faith, hope, and love. And this Colossians 1 passage is just packed. It's like a mini uh, systematic theology of Paul <laughs> in like, Just Colossians 1. It's so worth taking time to unpack. Paul is impressed with these people, their faith, their hope, and their love, and it emphasizes in verse 8, but especially your love in the Spirit. Here's what I'm impressed by Paul Paul knows what it's like to pastor in a quarantine. He does. I know he does. He he knows what it's like. He's sitting in a jail cell, (laughs) doesn't have internet. (laughs) can't be in person with his people. So you know what he's doing? He's he's writing a letter, right? He's he's trying to communicate. This is his his blog post. This is his YouTube video. He writes this letter and he has it sent to people because it's like he's in quarantine himself. He can't talk to his people or reach these people in person. And what he's doing, he's pastoring his people by teaching them. He's in prison for sharing the gospel and he's, what he's doing, he's writing this letter. And he takes a bad situation and makes the best of it. He's teaching them. It's the first thing he's doing. Secondly, he's pastoring his people by praying for them. Look at verse 9, if you're following along. Paul says, and so from the day that we heard basically about their faith, we have not ceased to pray for you asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And then jumping to verse 12, giving thanks to the Father. I want you to notice that Paul, he first is pastoring his people by teaching them, and secondly, he's pastoring his people by praying for them, and he says his prayers are without ceasing and with thanks. So I want you to know, my CPC family and those watching from home, I've been praying for you. I've been praying that God would carry us through this COVID season, that we would care for one another and yet not forget those, even outside of the CPC family, who are struggling, hurting from fires and sickness and loneliness. I'm praying for us to show above and over any political or theological identity that our true allegiance is King Jesus, always and forever. Paul never ceased in his praying, and he prayed with gratitude. I want to let you know I'm grateful for you, and I'm grateful for Pastor Ron, for his friendship, for his encouragement, for this true partnership we have as we navigate these difficult and painful times. I'm grateful that I get to pastor this church through all the chaos of our times. So sometimes I'm like, Lord, really? This had to be my first year of pastoring a new church? Really? 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 <laughs> Really? Could have been any other season, really. And Lord, saying, really, I'm so grateful that I have the honor, the privilege, responsibility to pastor you in this season. I'm doing it imperfectly as I keep listening and trying to adjust my ways and my will around what the Lord wants. Keep praying for me. I'm grateful for the incredible faithfulness that I have seen amongst this church body. Faithful to the gospel. I've witnessed this church. We are bowing down to Jesus and no one else. See, I can see God's faithfulness through the faithfulness of his people as we journey together following Jesus. Take a look at verse 10, where Paul continues by saying this. He says, So, as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Oh man, he packed a lot in that one verse as well. Paul says, walk in the path of Jesus. Paul's saying, stay the course. Keep walking with Jesus on this journey. Amidst the chaos and confusion, keep focusing on the Lord Jesus, bearing the fruit of good works. What does that look like? Friends, it's caring for the homeless. It's feeding the hungry. It's delivering meals to the jobless. It's supporting missionaries. It's speaking the truth of the gospel and showing the truth of God's word in demonstrating love. And the word there is agape. Agape love. Unconditional love. Supernatural Jesus-like love. That is what we are called to demonstrate. That's the journey. So we walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Story goes a pastor was on a two-hour flight from Chicago to Dallas. So he walked down the aisle after the landing. He actually noticed the cockpit open and he saw the pilot and he asked the pilot, he says, Do you really punch all those buttons that I see the past two hours? You really been touching any of those? And the pilot said, actually, yeah, we've honestly on this side, we touched them several thousands of times. He's like, We touch them all the time. And and the pastor said, Really? He said, absolutely, the pilot said, if you don't continue coming back to the original plan, to the route, the plane would end up in the ocean as a result of headwinds and tailwinds. There's always this constant drifting, and you have to continue to go back to these buttons to make sure that we end up in our destination, Dallas. And then the pastor asked, one more thing. So I've got to find out. What, what percentage that this plane was on target, on our travel, the last time? How, what percentage of time were we actually... On target. He's like, only 1% of the time were we perfectly on target. Had to keep adjusting as we flew. We're always making adjustments. I want you to see, Paul is telling believers to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to keep walking, right? But it doesn't mean you're not making adjustments. Keep walking because guess what? We are prone to wander, as the song says. Prone to wander. Lord, I feel it we got to keep making adjustments, keep following Jesus. See, we got to stay the course. If we aren't bearing fruit that resembles the agape love of Jesus, we need to make adjustments, church. When people look at us, when they hear us, when they encounter us, they're supposed to experience the love of Jesus. You see, each day you spend time with the Lord in prayer, in scripture, increasing in godly knowledge. These are all good things. Every day we're trying to yield to the Spirit's nudge, though, towards loving others. All this knowledge is no good unless it's expressed in agape love, loving others. That's the adjustment to to keep us on course. It's a constant intention to stay on course with Jesus. And then Paul continues, as he says in verse 11 through 14, he says, Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Wow, Paul did it again. A ton of beautiful thoughts in there. First of all, Paul reminds us that God is the great deliverer. The word he uses in verse 13 delivered is "methistemi." That word in verse 13 reminds them that Jesus came on a rescue mission. That's the image that Paul is giving them, that they are rescued. And then notice in that verse, it says, then they're transferred into a new kingdom of Jesus. And he talks about this domain of darkness they've been rescued from. What is this domain of darkness? It's this whole era before Christ returns when Satan and his demons will be banished forever. And friends, we live in a season before Christ returns where we see darkness. And we've seen dark days this past week. Horrendous things. The domain of darkness. Before Christ returns, before Satan and his demons are are banished forever, we're going to be wrestling with this domain of darkness. We need to know that Christ is our strength. He's our only hope. Until that day when Christ returned, Paul prays for strength, he says, and endurance and patience and joy. I need all four of those. How about you? I need all of that. He prayed that for the Colossians. And why could they believe that could be possible? Because they are delivered, transferred, and redeemed. Look at verse, verse 14. Paul talks about redemption. It says, In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. See, the Colossians knew this word related to the purchase of a slave. Now, slavery in the Roman Empire at that time, and maybe in particular in this region, was different than our own horrendous American version of slavery. It was a bit more contractual, etc. And, and people could be, could be uh, bought out. They can buy out basically their contract and be free. And so Paul is providing a vivid image here of God purchasing your freedom from slavery to sin. It's an important image. And saying, because of that reality, what are you not willing to do for this one who has redeemed you? You see, this is living fully in step with God's kingdom right now because you know your future is already secure. And this is what Paul is trying to give them this picture See, while in a prison cell for following Jesus, Paul is choosing gratitude and praying that we would too, in the midst of whatever prison or confinement or stuckness you find yourself in, whatever discouragement that you find yourself in now, very real, Paul is trying to get you to see there are some other realities going on to help you make it through today. See, Paul is living in the present day, with a future day in mind, so he can endure suffering with joy. And that's what he's praying for. Praying for endurance and patience with joy. He can endure this, and he can live today courageously and counterculturally and sacrificially, because he knows the one who bought him with the price, the price of his own blood. It's what Paul is packing all this into chapter one. See, when faithfulness is the most difficult, that's when it's the most necessary. We can be faithful to Jesus because he's been faithful to us, even though we can see the domain of darkness. It seems like it's having its way. But in Christ, there's another way. We stay the course. We focus on him. We make sure he is the centerpiece. You see, as we go to Colossians 1:15 to 20, this beautiful poem let me read it one more time for us. It was beautifully read earlier. Paul, then after this wonderful introduction, this, this prayer and encouraging people to, to, to look towards Jesus as a source of hope, he says, He, Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible I believe that this passage is actually one of the very earliest Christian poems, or could have even been a song. Paul wrote it, or, or if he didn't write it himself, he heard it, and he, he wrote it down here. But he was trying to show the Colossians the center of Christianity. And I want you to notice what Christianity isn't. It isn't about becoming more religious. It isn't a political party. Amen? It, it's all about Jesus Christ. It's about a God who chose to demonstrate his love by coming to the world, first to Israel and then to us. And we're actually going to come back to this beautiful section over the next few weeks and keep reflecting on what Paul is saying in this beautiful poem in all of chapter 1. But I want to focus on one piece in Colossians 1.15, this first little line, he is the image of the invisible God. Now, image, just so you're not confused, it actually means, of the way that Paul is using it, an exact representation. When you look at Jesus, you see God. This is not a copy of God. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a facsimile of him. It, he is God himself. It's not a lesser form of God. It's God. See, Paul wants us to focus on Jesus and to give him all the attention. And if we want to know this God, whom can make sense of all the chaos in this world, you know who you're going to have to look at? A president? No, no president. You're going to have to look at Jesus. Paul says you need to fix your eyes on Jesus. Look at him. Get that picture in your mind and allow your life to be shaped around him. You've heard the story of a young boy was drawing a picture on the floor, and his mom asked, What are you drawing? And he says, I'm drawing a picture of God. And the mom says, But no one knows what God looks like. And the boy replied with confidence, They will when I'm done. <laughs> Here's the reality no one knows what God looks like, except when you look at Jesus. See, every day we have false gospels vying for our attention to say this is what it looks like to follow Jesus. And I'll even tell you that in the church and outside the church are people saying here, here's what will save your life. Here's the good news. That's what gospel means. It's transcendental meditation. That's really going to fix your life. It's past life regression therapy. Try that. That's going to fix your life. Or maybe even a heresy within the church, That we think, oh, if you just do this, then the good news will come. No, there's only one gospel. There's only one good news, friends. And the sad thing is that we in the church were just as susceptible as the Colossians were to false promises of control, of self-improvement, of power, of things that are antithetical to the gospel. Just as the Colossians were susceptible, we are too, And so Paul opens this important letter to the Colossians, encouraging them in their spiritual growth by writing this poem. He wants you to remember it. He wants you to to sing it. It's reminding them it's about Jesus. Reminding them that when they see Jesus, they see God. And so keep your eyes focused on him. Study him, love him, learn from him, talk to him, listen to him, bow down to him, for he is your only God hope, Jesus. You know, Paul had every reason to be weary, but he embraced hope. While living under the shadow of the Roman Empire that actively oppressed him, Paul embraced hope. Paul's freedoms were taken away, and he still found hope. He dealt with divisions amongst Christians over racial, theological, and economic issues. Have you heard of any of these lately in our lives? And he still found hope. He argued against heresies in the church and false teaching, and he still found hope. Paul experienced the attacks from the very kingdom of darkness, physical attacks, I believe, and spiritual attacks, and he still found hope. See, Christians always have faced adversity from the state, from the devil, and from fellow believers. But we have endured and risen above because we've always found hope in Christ. So we hope in the only one worth hoping in the centerpiece of all that is seen and unseen, Jesus, the one who humbled himself and came into our world on Christmas. I know I can't stop talking about Christmas. I know. My tree is still up. Judge me. <laughs> Christmas. I was, in, I was tempted to insert a Christmas carol into our singing today. I was talked out of it. But, but let me tell you a Christmas carol I want to talk about. Oh, Holy Night. It has this beautiful line in it. And it says this. You know it. A thrill of hope. A weary world rejoices. For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Has our world been weary any time recently? I need this song. Because a new day has dawned. And it's because of Biden? No. A new day has dawned. Because the election can be overturned? No. A new day has dawned because a stark market is going to rebound? Well, I hope so, but no. That is not why a new day has dawned. It's not even because of the vaccine, which is good news. That is not why we can have a thrill of hope while we can rejoice. No, it's because Christ came. And he becomes the center of our lives as we keep focused on him and keep making those adjustments to make sure we're centered on him, that we really have agape love showing in our lives by the way people see us and experience us. Oh, when that happens when we live by his law of love and his gospel of peace, people are gonna see the goodness of God in our lives and our world will be different. See, God wants to take you from where you are to where he wants you to be. He is committed to help you stay the course as you focus on him. He wants to use your life to breathe hope into a weary world. He is it. Let me ask you a question. When people see our lives, do they see Christ? Paul writes later in Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, he says this, And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. So I want to give you this little connection here as we wrap up. Christ is the image of the invisible God, right? And we are called to be representatives of Christ, Paul is saying to the Colossians. And so when people look at Jesus, they should see the Father. When people look at the way Jesus taught and loved and forgave and spoke truth, they understand that's what the Father looks like. And when people look at you, they're supposed to see Jesus because you're a representative of him. The way you love, the way you listen, the way you care. They're supposed to be able to see Jesus because you are a Christ follower. Is there evidence in your life that you put your trust in Jesus alone? Or is there some other authority that is more clear to people that you bow down to? Because the Bible makes it clear it's Jesus. It's always Jesus. Every day you live is another brushstroke on the canvas of your life. And God is painting something beautiful i believe but i ask you are you yielding to him are you yielding to him are you submitting to him is your one true king cuz what is that picture that people are seeing in your life are they seeing the agape love of jesus as a representative of him what are they seeing See, Jesus came to rescue us and to usher into his family, growing us into his likeness until he comes again. And so let's keep our focus on him and him alone. And we can endure discouragements and and avoiding these deviations from the destination he has before us by staying focused. We must check ourselves regularly from straying from God's course. I'm going to end with this. Isaiah 40 verse 31 says this but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. I've been, I've been meditating on this section of Scripture for weeks. Was looking for some hope this week. And I was, I was singing this. that those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. I would love for us this week, all of us, CPC, all of you watching from home, let's all... Meditate on this scripture, Isaiah 40, verses 27 through 31. And as we meditate on it this week, as a church family, we'll be focused on God and praying for his sustenance as we begin 2021. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Friends, it's time to pray for our nation by praying for our outgoing president and vice president and praying for the incoming president-elect and vice president-elect. Our daily hope is in Jesus. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, forgive us when we are not good representatives that reveal your kingdom of love. We pray for truth to prevail. We pray for a peaceful transition of power. And for us, as followers of you, representatives, that as we bow down to you, Jesus Christ, alone, that we will not bow down to any prophet or personality or pundit or political power. For, Lord, may your grace and peace be the fruit of us, your followers, that people will experience your agape love. Lord, we are your representatives. Lord, shine your love through us. We ask this in your name.